morning. Welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to the beginning of a brand new series. It's entitled, Who is the Holy Spirit? As we begin to plan and prepare and, and work our way up to Pentecost Sunday in a number of weeks, thankful for the Assemblies of God, thankful for our leadership in, in encouraging pastors and churches to spend some time, more than just a, a Pentecost Sunday on the Holy Spirit, but a series and providing some resources to be able to encourage churches to do that. So we're going to spend a, a number of weeks exploring that topic, who is the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you have been a part of an Assemblies of God church, or maybe you've been a part of a Pentecostal church, and, and you're aware of the Holy Spirit. Some of you perhaps have been in Assemblies of God or in this church, Alger Assembly of God, for many years, for many decades perhaps, and no doubt you have seen and experienced a lot of different things. When it comes to Pentecost or Pentecostal services or charismatic services, and, and some of them are mighty and powerful, and some of those are just a little plain weird. How many of you have experienced some mighty, powerful moves of God, moves of the Holy Spirit? How many of you as well over the years have experienced some little, little weirdness? So as we, as we look at the Holy Spirit, we're going to spend a number of weeks on who the Holy Spirit is. Certainly, there's been some interesting things done in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's one church in Houston, and a pastor had preached on a particular Sunday about Santa Claus. Now, following the sermon, a prophecy was given in the service, and it basically read like this or spoke like this. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, lay off Santa Claus. He's a good man, and he's doing a good work. Interesting in services. So maybe you've experienced some things over the years. You've experienced the move of God. You've also maybe experienced some kind of questionable things. Myself, I grew up in an Assemblies of God home, an Assemblies of God church. My dad was my pastor. He pioneered a church on Long Island, pastored for well over 40 years. Hard to believe that he's been with the Lord now just over 20 years. It's been amazing. But growing up in an Assemblies of God church, my dad was certainly sensitive to the moving and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and, and we had great mighty moves of the Lord throughout the years in, in uh, the churches. Certainly also some interesting things here and there. I went to Bible college. I went to Central Bible College. It was still in effect in the 90s. It's since merged with Evangel University and the Assemblies of God Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. And in going to Bible college, certainly I wanted to learn and wanted to grow and wanted to have opportunity of, of growing in the Lord and growing in my walk and relationship with Him. And as well, there were opportunities during those years of college to experience some services that maybe I would not normally have experienced. Because in the area and in passing, uh, different individuals, some uh, speakers, evangelists, tele-evangelists, made their way around. And, you know, as a, as a curious young man with a call of God on his life and, and some other friends, we checked out some of these interesting services. 
We went to a handful of other services, not necessarily Assemblies of God, Pentecostal and or Charismatic. And, and one in particular was interesting because this was held at an Assemblies of God church, someone who was not necessarily Assemblies of God. And, and it was quite the hubbub that this individual was coming. Now, this individual would normally be in much larger venues. This was a pretty large Assemblies of God church, but they limited the people to come. They, they allowed members to have like a ticket or two. And we were not members of this particular church, but we found some faculty members who were members who were choosing not to go. So this is one of those speakers. There's a lot of conflict of, you know, is this of the Lord? Is this not of the Lord? There's, there's a lot of interesting things. So we, we scored ourselves some tickets, free tickets to a service. And as we went there, it, it was really interesting. There were people who were camped out for a couple of days in advance. Because after the members would be able to enter in with their tickets, then they would open it up to everybody else, and they would fill the sanctuary. I think they filled overflow, filled a number of different rooms. And, uh, I mean, this place was packed. This was someone who would, you would all be aware of who the individual was, but we won't go quite there. So a number of us, uh, probably four or five of us as, as uh, friends, uh, all Bible college, you know, students who were looking to go into the ministry. And so we, we came with some, you know, some questions. We're, we're understanding that the, the move of the Lord and God does some incredible things in and through this individual, yet there's some questionable things. And so we just want to, we want to visit. We had the service, and, and worship was powerful, and, and uh, the message, uh, it was a good message on, I believe it was on Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ, and then it came altar time, and there was you know, a lot of prayer and, and salvation, and, and the altar time was where some of the interesting things took place. Because this particular individual, uh, through you know, the, the anointing of the Lord and otherwise, uh, many, many people would be slain in the Spirit. Knocked out, passed out. And so in the service, this individual turned to the, the right side, basically the, the risers going all the way up to the balcony, and pointed to them and, and asked them all to stand and hold hands and kind of you know, close their eyes and get ready, and God was going to do something, they were going to feel something they never, never felt before, and on and on, and, and the music was building, and the, and the organ was building, and the individual was kind of building to a fevered pitch, and then spoke some words, and they all went down. Every single one in that entire section down. And we're looking at each other and we're saying, okay, what's, what's going on, God? God, is this you? Is this, is this flesh? What is this? Questions, because you're wondering. Now, there's lots and lots of sections in this sanctuary, but the speaker looked at our section on the floor and pointed and had us stand. I said, okay. And so we stood up and held hands and raised our hands and closed our eyes. And, and I know, I know what I was doing. I know each and every one, what they were doing is we're just simply praying to God, God, we want what you, if you've got something for us, we're ready. We're not exactly sure all of this. We want to kind of check out this service, but we want what you want. So we're standing Hands are raised, our eyes are closed, we're ready. The, the music's building, the organ's building. He's, he's getting ready and he, he lets out his yell or scream or his, his word or phrase. And I admit that I felt something I'd never felt before. But I opened my eyes. And I looked to see that every single one of us Bible college students 
were the only ones standing in the entire section. And what I had felt that I never felt before was that wave or that wind of everybody in front and next to and behind who had all hit the, hit the chairs and just fell down. So we look at each other, and we look at everybody who's down, and we look at him, and he's looking at us. And we look at everybody else in the church, and they're looking at us, and so we don't know what to do. We close our eyes again, raise our hands, and start praising God. We entered with probably the same kinds of questions as we exited. There were some mighty moves of the Lord in that service, and yet there were some things that seemed questionable in that service, and maybe that describes you. Maybe that describes some of your thought towards the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're taking a, a number of weeks look at who the Holy Spirit is. And as we do that, it's important that we fully understand and experience the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. This is not Star Wars. This is not may the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force of some kind like electricity or uh, gravity. Those are some powerful forces. If you've ever stuck your finger into a light socket or to an electrical socket, I think you would you'd understand there's some power in electricity. But electricity, gravity, though powerful, is not a person. Yes, the Holy Spirit is powerful, but personal, and desires to personally interact with you and I. Now, when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three in one, it's, it's hard for us to comprehend, but we do a little bit better with the Father and the Son. God the Father, each and every one of us, no matter maybe what your relationship with your Father might be, we can picture a Father. God, our Heavenly Father. And we think about Jesus Christ, God the Son. Jesus came to earth, and, and we read in Scripture about how he came to earth as a baby. We celebrate in Christmas, and, and he lived and died and rose again. We celebrated just recently in Easter. And so God the Father and God the Son, we've got a pretty good grasp on. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, many people are not quite as sure. Holy Spirit, or different versions or biblical translations, Holy Ghost, and people's minds start thinking about October and Halloween. And it's a little, maybe, harder to understand. And, and if that's you, you're right in there with many of the people in the Bible. In Acts chapter 19, Paul's asking believers, believers who had repented of their sins, had followed Jesus Christ at Ephesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they uh, responded, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so these believers, they simply had repented, they'd turned their life to Jesus Christ, but they were not aware of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, understand the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. See, when we surrender our heart and our life to Jesus Christ at salvation, Holy Spirit comes and enters into our life. And yet the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct work of the Holy Spirit following salvation. No, 
that the Holy Spirit is best understood when experienced. Best understood when experienced. Uh, when we first were married, Kim and I, you know, first of all, when you're single, everyone's asking, when are you getting married? Then when you get married, the question is, when are you having kids? And so in those years uh, without children, here's what we heard. Oh, man, it, it's so incredible. Your life is going to change. You just won't know exactly how much your life changes when you have kids. Oh, you just, you'll, you'll know when you have kids. I mean, people could tell us. We could read books about having kids. But until we had a child, we had Autumn, and a few years later, we had Brooklyn. Now we understood. We understood what some of those sleepless nights were about. Thanks, girls. Yet we also understood much of what was said about the joys of having a child. Well, now that we've got kids, what's the next step? People say, oh, just wait till you have Grandkids, yeah, some of you have grandkids. And the thought is, oh, if you thought having kids was special, wait till your kids start having kids. Oh, the, you know, you can, you can just bless them and bless them and bless them and then send them home. Some of you are experiencing that, right? But what do you hear? You won't know what it's like until you experience it. It's the same thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We can read about the Holy Spirit, and we will. We can spend a number of weeks on the Holy Spirit, and we will. We're going to encourage you reading through the book of Acts and the New Testament. But until you truly experience the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not quite the same. So understand the Holy Spirit's a person, not a force. Know that the Holy Spirit's best understood when experienced. The balance of our time today, I'm going to take a look at a number of things that the Holy Spirit brings. Four things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. The title today, the Holy Spirit in us. Holy Spirit in us. Number one, the Holy Spirit brings freedom. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. When we surrender our heart and our life to Jesus Christ, it says the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us. There is freedom. There's no longer condemnation. There's no longer the guilt and shame of the past. Many people are living uh, underneath the weight of the, oh, I, I wish I would have, I wish I could have. There's not the condemnation there. In Christ, we are free from guilt and shame of sin. Every single one of us in our past, we've done some things we're not proud of. Sin. And when we come to Christ, there is freedom. Freedom begins with forgiveness. It's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides and draws us to Christ. But it's got to be our choice. Our choice to surrender. Our choice to give our life to Jesus Christ and receive that freedom. Sin doesn't have to have the power over us. We're able to be free in Christ. The same spirit that guided and nudged our heart and drew us to Christ 
dwells within us. Helps us to overcome the sin of our past. Holy Spirit brings freedom. Secondly, the Holy Spirit brings peace. That's a good thing because a lot of people are looking for a thing called peace. A lot of people might go to a store and try to buy a whole bunch of things to provide peace. People will do anything, pay anything, spend anything, go anywhere just to get it. But there's peace from him. Romans 8 verse 6 says, Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You see, whatever space in your life that God gets will have peace. Whatever space God is eliminated in won't. You've maybe heard the saying, if you know God, K-N-O-W, if you know God, then you will know his peace. But if you have no God, N-O, you have no peace. Peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you to accept what you can't control. There's peace. In John 14, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, speaks about peace. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. And right there, the Father sends, and the Holy Spirit is called helper, comforter, advocate. So many things that the Holy Spirit does. Again, not, a, not an impersonal force, but part of the Trinity, the, whole, uh, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Holy Spirit brings and provides peace. I mean, look around our world. We don't have to go across many, many other nations to find lack of peace, although you will. We can find that in our own nation. We can find that pretty close by, right? So many people are without peace. The world is troubled. People are looking for peace where they can. You and I face difficult situations, things that we have no control over. You ever face something, it was not of your own doing, but you faced a hardship, a struggle, a difficulty. Yes, we face that. We need peace. God can help bring peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to surrender to his control. So many times people are, in a sense, against God. The Holy Spirit's desiring to lead us to and provide peace. When we obey God, rather than struggling against God, we have peace. When we obey God, we have peace. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to trust in God's loving care and receive peace. We live in a fallen world. A fallen world with an enemy, and then you and I, we've got our own faults. Turn to the one next to you or look across the sanctuary and say, you've got some faults. But then point to yourself and say, so do I. 
<laughs> a little easier to maybe to say that to somebody else. We've got our own faults, yet in the midst of this world, there's a lot of difficulties in the world and an enemy in the world that's not wanting us to be found in him. And it leads us to a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of lack of peace. The Holy Spirit can help and guide and provide peace. So Holy Spirit provides freedom, brings peace. Thirdly, Holy Spirit brings fellowship. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What does that mean, the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? It means friendship. It means closeness. Now, in today's day and culture in 2022, oftentimes when you hear the word fellowship, what do we mean? I thought we'd get more response on that. But you're right. Oftentimes, what do we say? It's a great time of fellowship. That means there are going to be some goodies there. You know, everyone's going to bring a little something. We'll have a great time of fellowship. Oftentimes, typically, fellowship will include some food. But what takes place when you're eating a meal together, having a snack together, or, or having an evening together, even with the food and snacks, typically what happens? There's some closeness and togetherness and relationship and friendship that takes place over a meal or over a cup of coffee. And so fellowship of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean, hey, you know, we're going to eat a steak. But he desires to have that relationship, that fellowship. God is not some out-of-touch, distant deity who has no clue what's going on in our lives. He desires to have that personal relationship with you and with me. Desires to be your friend. Now, throughout your life, maybe you look back to uh, maybe the days in school, elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, young adult, college, uh, maybe even into your adult years. Sometimes we meet people who just seem to not want to be your friend. You ever met someone like that? I know most of you, I'm looking around saying, who would not want to be your friend? Chances are we found someone, right? I mean, they just, for whatever reason, they just, maybe they don't have too many friends, or maybe they just don't, don't get along with people, but you've probably found someone, for one reason or another, that didn't want to be your friend. Sometimes it's, it's based on certain categories. It's, it's your age, it's your this, it's your that. You know, when you're, when you're younger in school, sometimes the older kids don't want to be friends with you because you're the little one. Well, then after a while, you become older, and the little ones don't want to be friends with you because you're kind of scary and intimidating. I mean, and, and sometimes that cycle, for whatever reason, it changes. And through the years, sometimes we can struggle in certain friendships and relationships. The Holy Spirit desires fellowship and friendship. God's desired a relationship with you and I. From the very beginning, we see in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1, that God created the heavens and the earth. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. At creation, God's breathing the breath of life into Adam and beginning a relationship. At the cross, as we recently experienced, Jesus Christ died that we might be in a right relationship with him. 
And he said in his word that he's preparing a place for you and I to be eternally in a relationship with him. He's desired that relationship. He doesn't desire just to keep you at arm's length. Some people maybe do that in your life. Maybe there's some people you want to keep at arm's length. He's desiring that closeness, that close fellowship, that close relationship with you and I. Desiring to share our life in communion together. Holy Spirit brings peace. Holy Spirit brings freedom. Holy Spirit brings fellowship. And the Holy Spirit brings wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helping us to understand what God's given, helping to understand the Word of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to better understand the Bible as we read and learn and study. Holy Spirit is helping. We see the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit begins that transformation process in us, making us more and more, helping us to become more like Christ, learning and growing and applying the things of God and His Word. Not just the wisdom to understand God's Word, the wisdom to communicate and obey God's Word. Very next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 says, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. At some point in time, maybe in talking to a family member or a friend or a classmate or a coworker, and somehow the, the conversation shifts, maybe from the natural into the spiritual, and you're, maybe you're a little bit uh, nervous. You're not quite sure what to do. You're not quite sure what to say. And all of a sudden, this verse of Scripture just kind of popped into your head out of nowhere, Holy Spirit leading and guiding in wisdom, not just helping you to understand God's Word, but helping you to communicate and share the Word of God. Maybe it's a scripture verse, or sometimes it's just in the, in the matter of conversation. You're listening to somebody, you're talking with somebody, and, and the Holy Spirit just begins to kind of nudge you. You're asking questions, you're, you're talking, you're sharing uh, wisdom and advice. You're saying, where did that come from? Boy, I wish I could have written that down. That was good. That wasn't me, but that was good. Maybe you've experienced that. See, the, the Holy Spirit, not just helping us to understand the Word of God as we read and study and learn, but helping us to communicate it, helping us to share it, helping us to invest in others. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom to know what to say. Holy Spirit gives wisdom to know how to say it. How many of you know that's pretty big as well? You can say the right thing in the wrong way, and it doesn't go over quite as well. Helps us to know what to say, how to say, and when to say it. So the Holy Spirit provides and brings wisdom into our hearts and into our lives. Now certainly, as an Assemblies of God church, Pentecostal church, we 
We preach and we teach about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we'll be covering that in a future week. But in addition to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, in addition to the many gifts of the Spirit, which can be in operation in our own lives and in, in the church, God also has things in store more than just the baptism in the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to grow and develop in us, celebrate, embrace, and thank the Lord for the power, the anointing, the moving of the Holy Spirit as he brings freedom and peace and fellowship and wisdom. <laughs>